Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Jew and Gentile podcast. I am your host, Chris Katolka, and with me is none other than the sage himself. Steve, I don't know how much more I can draw it out. The sage himself, the one and only Mr. Steve Herzig. How are you, sir? I need one of your buttons to go. Let's see. <laughs> it's it's back there. I have to bring it forward. Wait, no problem. I'll do it. <laughs> hey, well, we got a great show for you, everybody. We're going to continue Revelation. Hey, we've got a new segment for you. Fast a news. A brand new section that we practiced once and flubbed big time. <laughs> Hold on a second. Here we go. Welcome in, welcome in. I am so thankful that you're with us. Thank you for being a part of the Jew and Gentile podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for taking your time to uh, your busy time, your your precious time to to listen to us. It, Why is the question? <laughs> Why? I don't know. I, I I I don't know. Maybe we're entertaining. I don't I know. Don't, I, we know why we do it. We love doing it. The the marvel is that uh, all seven of them uh, listen. Yep. I like that we've stuck with the biblical number seven for our, our listener. It's the complete number, you know? It is. And we have quite a few sevens in this text. That's exactly. We're looking at Revelation 4 and 5 in a moment. Um, before we uh, move on, we've got a couple things to do before we get to Revelation 4 and 5. Um, but the, the first is this. Just a fresh reminder, the Jew and Gentile podcast is sponsored by FOI Equip. And Steve, we had Dan Price on last week. Um, exactly a week ago, doing our very first class for the Tabernacle, our first class of the year for 2023 on FOI Equip. I thought it went really, really well. I just talked to him today and told him how much I appreciated uh, the class, and is he ready? And he said, I am absolutely ready. Oh, yeah. He is excited. Uh, I think it's going to get a little bloody. Oh, yeah. Uh, That's the way the tabernacle is. That's just the nature of the tabernacle, and uh, I'm sure he'll make sure that it's sanitized for us. But but think about it, Chris. I've often thought about it. On your way to the tabernacle or even the temple, do you think there are any flies around? 100%. I think the closer you got, the more flies they were. You take your you have four little kids. I, I mine are adults now, but imagine taking your four little kids uh Right by the uh, tabernacle, you're in the wilderness, but you get closer. Sacrifices all the time, the blood reminder all the time. And that's exactly what Dan's going to talk about. I think it drives home atonement and thereby redemption. That's right. It, it builds the case that God needed a substitute, and he would ultimately provide that in his son. And if you want some more insight on the tabernacle, you can do one of two things. Either you can join us for the live class, live online, by registering at foiequip.org. It starts tonight, 7.30 Eastern time um, this evening. Uh, I'll be on. Steve, I don't know if you're coming on or not. I'm going to try Sometimes to Sometimes you pop on. Um, well, you pop on a lot, actually. Um, I have a couple grandkids over tonight. I'll see if I could get them to come on with That me. would be great. Um, we might have to mute you at you, some point. That might. <laughs> if they're on... I'll be I'll be seeing, but I will not be talking. That's right, which is hard for Steve to do too. It's hard for both of us. But Dan Price is teaching. That's uh, the second class on the Tabernacle. He's doing three classes in January, and then next February or, or next February this February coming up, we have Steve and other Jewish believers like Lorna Simcox. Yeah, <laughs> They're gonna have a roundtable discussion on what it's like being a Jewish believer. The Fred and Eva Schweig. Oh yeah. Uh, Mitch Treisman, myself, Lorna. Wait, you're never gonna. You're gonna say hello. Aye. This is Chris Katolka. 
And that's the last we'll hear from that's you. That's right. It's just I'm just going to let you guys roll with it. What was it like growing up uh, in your Jewish household? But then what was it like when you became a believer? That's the big question. What was it, what's it like being a heaven-bound Hebrew? And so <laughs> And so uh Steve and 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 his uh group of Jewish friends who are all believers, brothers and sisters in the Lord are going to share what it's like being a Jewish believer. You can register for that class. It's just one night in February um at foiequip.org. Uh, and also, if you're listening on the podcast, please go to Apple, go to YouTube, go to wherever you are, and let us know what you think. Rate us so that we move up the ladder and other people can hear the Jew and Gentile podcast. All right, so Steve, the new segment. Let me get let me get myself ready here, okay? You, and you got to explain this to our those, all seven of them, what we're about to do, attempt to do. Okay, so we want to do a rundown of... Israeli news, a rundown, a fast one. We call it, but we don't. We don't want to. We, we already do a news segment, but that's when we we highlight news and we talk a while about it. We just want to do fast news from the Middle East, fast news from Israel, fast news on Jewish life, all that stuff. Back and forth, back and forth. In two minutes, we call it the Jew and Gentile fast news. Are you ready, Steve? I am. All right, here we go. Let me start off by saying that the government planned to restrict protests with heavy fines, easier arrests, reports the Jerusalem Post. That means more difficult to complain. There you- <laughs> uh, Finance Minister Cohen to visit Ukraine and Israel, most senior Israeli official to do so since the war began. This will be a sign for the Ukrainians to know Israel supports their efforts against Russia. Jerusalem Post reports Zelensky at the World Economic Council. I am unsure if Putin is even alive. That's a big one. That is a big one. Putin not alive? (laughs) That's major stuff. That's big stuff. All right, moving on. Here we go, Steve. You'll like this one. Kosher cheeseburgers, question mark. This is from the Times of Israel. Chief rabbi rules some cultured meat. May not be fleshing. Cultured meat? I thought they're always uncultured. The milkic and the fleshing. Ay, 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 you get them all mixed up. Hey, the Jerusalem reports Putin ally Medvedev warns NATO of nuclear war if Russia defeated in Ukraine. So a war ends. A bigger war comes. It's a lose-lose situation there. Here's a big one. Arab-Israeli terrorists, reports the Times of Israel, released after 40 years. The police, though, seek to prevent celebrations. That's a big situation, uh, the celebration of terrorists in Israel. Uh, And so uh, it looks like the police are trying to uh, temper that. Mahmoud Abbas urges U.S. to halt Israeli escalation, fulfill promises. That's Abbas. Always stopping any kind of progress. (laughs) He's been there for 16 years, I think. Going on a 16-year term, only supposed to be four years. All right, Steve, last one. Three buildings uh, excavated after cave in Had Hasharon worksite. Part of a street blocked uh, traffic over fears of scaffolding falling and collapsing. Big deal in Israel. Hey, That is news in two minutes of what's going on. (laughs) All right, that's fast news from Israel. We think we sound like big mockers, (laughs) don't we? All we did was read the Jerusalem Post and what? The the, Times of Israel. The Times of Israel. (laughs) Israel, the fast news. Uh, By the way, those were real headlines that we read. We just read the headlines. And we were in a rush to do it in two minutes so I think people are probably pretty caught up on what's going on with Israel now. Huh? I think they're more <laughs> confused than they were before. 
<laughs> All right, Steve, you have a did you know? I do have a did you know. Again, this is from Ever- Emily Stone. Uh, this is a book that was purchased by my wife a number of years ago. It's got it's fascinating. She's an excellent writer and she gives tidbits. And this will be something that, Chris, you don't know about because you're just too young. But I'm old enough because of the uh, of the content here. It says, did you know? <laughs> Connie Francis. Does it say did you know or did, did you know? Did you know? Wow, she's that's good branding did all throughout the book. Did you know Connie Francis who you have no idea is and immediately when I saw this I thought of a song where the boys are. Mm-hmm. And she's an old pop star. I don't even know if she's alive, but Connie Francis, one of the first worldwide female pop stars, recorded an album and this is why we're reading it. Connie Francis sings Jewish favorites, she including My Yiddish Mama and Yosel Yosel. Apparently, Francis uh, had grown up in a Jewish and Italian neighborhood in Brooklyn, New York, and was fluent in Yiddish. And then at the end, it says, Zygazun. <laughs> Your favorite line. One of my favorite lines. Do we so, have that in the... Oy. No. Zygazun. Live and be well. That's right. And there, did you know? Did you know? That's a good one. All right. So we did fast news. We did, did you know? So I think it's time to get down to the text and look at Revelation chapter four and five, Steve. I do too, Chris. And we finished the first three chapters. Two and three, we noted, were the seven churches. And we spent a little bit of time. We camped there as as the revelation of Jesus Christ uh, as revealed to John who writes these short epistles to these churches and sends them to the seven churches. And so, but now we're approaching chapters four and five. And Chris, chapters four and five, I think of one word when I think of both of these chapters. I think of the word begins with the W, worship. Mm. What about you? I definitely worship. My mind goes back to the similarities, and we'll talk about this more when I read through this. My mind goes back to the similarities of worship of other prophets that were brought into the presence of God, like Isaiah uh, or like Ezekiel. Ezekiel. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, my mind goes there, and, and I just marvel at how, you know, God was carrying kind of the same theme of how he was speaking to the prophets. And John almost is fortunate enough to almost be a prophet himself and to be caught up in to be able to see God and in, in, in what most people don't get a chance to see him being worshiped by his by angelic beings, by his creation. And so John's going to bring us with him, essentially, on this journey. I have a life application Bible commentary on the book of Revelation, and just as you're talking about thinking of other prophets, it goes through, uh, on one of the pages, all the references from the book of Revelation into other books of the Bible. And it's a full-page list here, and of course some are repeated, Names like books' names, such as Ezekiel, Isaiah, the book of Psalms, Zechariah, Joel, Acts, Mark, uh, Jeremiah, uh, Thessalonians, uh, Zephaniah, uh, Zechariah, Daniel, 2 Thessalonians, Matthew, Genesis, 1 Corinthians. Chris, this is the last book in the Bible, and and we're going to see it here in chapter 5, too. It's the Jewishness of the text, which mm-hmm. is what we talk about when we podcast. The Jewishness of the text folded in to this last 
which is the revelation, last book, the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know, I think we've mentioned this, but uh, when I did Revelation in the Institute of Jewish Studies, and when we studied Revelation in um, in Dallas Seminary and at the college I went to, and um, you know, most of the time when when I study Revelation, it it was coupled with the Book of Daniel. Uh, that we I, we had a shortened name for it, Dan Rev. I had the same thing. They mm-hmm. co- the, Perfect combination. They complement one another. You have to go back to Daniel when you're in Revelation. And when you're in Daniel, since we have the whole revelation of God, when you're in Daniel, you have to go forward into the book of Revelation. That's right. It was um, an old professor of mine, Dr. Herb Hurt. Great guy. He's with the Lord now. Um, But I remember the very first thing I learned from him, freshman year at the Institute of Jewish Studies, he goes, you don't read the Bible backwards. You read the Bible forwards. You read it from Genesis to Revelation. It's God's uh, uh, progressive revelation as it's building itself to the book, to to the letter, to the book of Revelation. And so, you know, that that's always stuck with me is that you don't read it backwards because then you'll end up in 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 trouble when it comes to translating the Bible, when it comes to interpreting the Bible but you want to read it forward in the way that God reveals himself through the text. You know, Chris, uh, that's, I, did, I, I knew Dr. Herb Hurt. Uh, he was a good friend of ours uh, with the mission. He was with Friends of Israel. Uh, and I'm really glad to hear him say that because, quite frankly, many, I don't even know if it's the majority, but certainly way too many for my blood, uh, read it backwards. Mm-hmm. They they read it backwards. So the foundation lesson that he gave to you as you started was to start in Genesis and progressively go forward, like you'd read a any book, and you carry it along as you go. I'm really glad to hear that. I hope our listeners do that, because you have to assume, like we're in the last book. I think we even mentioned this in our as we started. The idea is we're here in Revelation, but this is the last book. We're carrying along all 65 other books as we approach this one. That's foundational to interpreting the text, what we believe properly. You know, and it, we're not saying you can't read the New Testament before you read the Old. No, you know, not at all. We're not saying that, but what we're saying is you have to respect the fact that it, this didn't just appear out of nowhere, and you can't read what you read in the New Testament back into the Old Testament, but what you can do is move is is understand, like you said, the history the biblical past, and 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 try to find out where you fit in that timeline of how God reveals himself. So don't take it—I hope you're if you're listening, you're going, oh, well, man, I've been reading the New Testament a lot, and I don't really go Continue to the Old to Testament. Continue to do so. Yeah, we're not saying that, but we're also saying the new, you can't have a new testament unless without you have an old one. without an old and one. And you know what, Chris? Thinking about uh, the New Testament first book in the book of Matthew, uh, the book of Matthew is the beginning of the New Testament, but it has not only— Older Testament history, it has what we call the intertestamental history, which is not the inspired word, but helpful knowledge. In fact, you had an equip course, uh, which you completed uh, just, I think that was in November. No, it, um, Oh, yeah, it was November. It was November. Yeah. Uh, by the way, people can access that even today. Yeah, it's all on to. YouTube, all those classes that we teach, the Tabernacles on YouTube, Intertestamental Histories on YouTube. That's really important, and by the way, I think that's significant, because if you are coming into the New Testament, wouldn't it help you to know what the circumstances are when that when that started yes. 2,000 years ago, when Matthew wrote that, uh, uh, that gospel? 
Uh, it's important to know, hey, we have the Old Testament, the prophets looking forward to the Messiah, Matthew introducing the king, but what happened in between? So all this, we're at the last book, and we've got all of that history, all all of that inspired mm-hmm. history, and all and all of human history. Well, you know, and I don't want to give away revelation at all, but in the very it's amazing I'm glad that you're saying this cuz in the very end what happens? God uh unravels the curse once and for all. So that talk about going back into history, you know, it almost it's almost as if it comes full circle and and you know, maybe not even looking at the the uh the Bible in a linear line of history but more as a full circle that God is returning his creation back to Eden again, and his goal is to undo the curse. But you need to know what happened in Revelation, I mean, in Genesis chapter uh, 3, in order to know why Genesis chapter 21 and tw- uh, Revelation chapter 21 and 22 are so important. So. Hey, you're branding again from Eden to Eden. Didn't we at Friends of Israel yeah. have a PUC we did last a- year called yeah. From Eden to Eden? And by the way, all seven listeners, those things are taped. I think you're one of the speakers. Yep, me and Jim. For, yeah, we both did one. Yeah. Jim and I. J- I know J- Alice is probably uh, listening. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're in trouble, <laughs> trouble. Usually she compliments me when I say the, some, you know, Jim and I or whatever. And she goes, "You, that's correct. But sometimes, you know, that now I could hear Alice going, mm-mm, mm-mm. So. Yeah, don't get her in your head. No. You'll be in trouble. <laughs> Hi, Alice. We know you listen sometimes. All right. A lot, actually. Um, Revelation chapter 4, it says this in verse 1, After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the, and the voice I had uh, first heard speaking to me, like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. Steve, I want to stop there really quick because, you know, I'm going to I'm going to venture back to the Old Testament because you know where my mind went. Was, well, while you're doing that, I, and I want you to do it after these things, I after what things, Chris, we had that at the in chapter four. And these weren't written in chapters. But so this is after chapter one, the glorified Christ. This is after the churches, the little little letters that he had for the churches. And so now John is saying, well, after that, after I'm sending you all that and then this and now you're going to a prophet who kind of has the same sense of sight in the spirit that uh John is having correct yeah that's right and um I'm trying to find it I think uh it, Ezekiel it happens in Ezekiel in, in chapter 8 when the Lord brings Ezekiel in the spirit to Jerusalem from he's in exile he's in Babylon and he brings him by the spirit into Jerusalem to a physical location so he's practically transported from Babylon to Jerusalem to see the sin that was going on in the temple. And there's a lot of that conversation about the idea that in the spirit he was brought there so that he could see what was going on. But then I'm in, in Ezekiel chapter 37, uh, Ezekiel again is transported from Babylon to a valley of dry bones, and it says, "...the hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley." And so here is John in Revelation chapter 4 being brought by the Spirit, and it's telling him to come up here, and it says, "...at once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it." So John is on earth, on Patmos, and all of a sudden a door opens, and uh, it, he hears a voice calling him up, and the Spirit brings him 
into heaven, into the presence a- of God. Absolutely. This is a God thing for him. And he's in the spirit. I would imagine that he felt like he was really there. Uh, his body might not have been there, but he was there experiencing all these things in the spirit. Mm-hmm. I, You know what I love about this is that chapters four and five are going to set us up for the rest of the book of Revelation, because instead of moving right into chapter six, because chapter six through 19 is going to be an entire time of God's judgment on earth, which is going to be a long time of hearing about the various ways that God's going to judge the earth for sin once and for all. And so um, we're getting a picture here before God pours his judgment out, I like to almost think that John, and as we're following John in his words, as we're trekking with him up to heaven, it's not, we're going before a throne, but a throne was also the place of judgment. So John is going into the judgment, uh, the, the, the courtroom, if you will, of God. And I always like in the Psalms, whenever God is going to enact justice in the Psalms, oftentimes a, psalm, a psalmist will say, I don't understand why this is happening, but God, you are just. And so here is John, you know, when he's, when he's brought into Revelation chapter 4 and 5, but mostly Revelation 4 here, and he sees, he's being ushered into the throne room, and he sees God, he's seeing the one who's about to judge the earth, and he's seeing the just God. Why are these things going to take place? Well, here's the God who's going to do it, and he's the just God who has the, uh, not only the capability of doing it, but he's in the right to do it. It's it's he's right. That's it. 100%. And uh you know, we think of uh the way things look, uh how you're perceiving things. When you go into a courtroom, it's one of the last vestiges we have in our culture of a place that you better be mind your P's and Q's. Mm-hmm. Uh you can be out of order. That judge could rule just about anything. I've I've seen on a video where uh, some of the people who the defendants have come before and they were snarky to you showed me this once I think a, and he kept every time this one gal was nasty to him he increased the amount of time yeah. she'd have to be in <laughs> it's jail like, just keep your mouth shut and she because she had no respect for where she was it's real clear from this text John did have re- respect number one but there was reason for it the description in this throne room. Every powerful creature who is there that God has created and put around him all focus on this throne. Mm-hmm. And the setting, the colors, the stones, we're gonna we should describe them. You should read it, read it. The the kinds of things, just the sea of glass, which is mentioned. You know, Chris, in the first century, clear glass was extremely rare. Oh, really? They, they couldn't make they could have glass. But clear glass was just very, very rare. And here he describes it crystal Mm. clear, see-through glass. You're walking on glass. That's interesting. I've been in Chicago on what was uh, the old Sears Tower. It's changed Oh, the one where you walk on the glass? You walk on it. It's acrylic, but it's clear. And there's some people who will absolutely refuse to walk on it. I don't know if I could do it. Because it's so high up, it looks like you're going to fall down. (laughs) Imagine what this is like. We're told he was taken up in the spirit, right? And we're told that this throne room has glass. It's like, he's only trying to describe, so he's always using the word like. But can you imagine he's looking around? Yeah. And what if it's suspended, like in the sky? Maybe he sees planet Earth. 
I, who knows? But it's clear he could see down. That would, whoa, that could make you crazy. <laughs> well, and you can imagine, too, that uh, this is an out of the, and I mean this in a biblical sense, it's an out of the body experience that John is, ex- John is seeing God sitting on his throne. And, you know, we can it's only, majestic. It's, it's something that you can't even uh, document properly. But he says this uh, um, as he's caught up and he sees somebody sitting on the throne. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other elders and seated on them were 24 elders. Or sorry, 24 other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their head. And from the throne came flashes of lightning, rumbling and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. Chris, rainbow, where do you go? When you think of a rainbow, where do you go? Genesis, right? You got to go all the way to the first book. Yep. And what you were describing, judgment, what's the rainbow tell us? Yeah, God would not judge the earth by, by uh, flood any longer as a covenant to, to Noah and to mankind, but that didn't mean that he's not going to judge the earth, just not 100%, but there was a rainbow judgment. Judgment had happened, and now he's in a throne, uh, a throne room, with all these things, and you describe judgment could come. And actually, as we read the text, we know that's this is the precursor to what's going to be judgment. It's amazing going all the way back yep. to Genesis. You have to do that when you're in, and that's we had talked about this earlier too that the idea that it's harping on so many things from the Old Testament prophets, historical writings. All of it. Um, can I mention, too, the 24 elders? I, sh- I think you should, and you have a professor who helped you on yeah, this. Yeah, I do. Uh, Dr. Bust Fanning is a—I pr- actually had him for Romans, but he wrote a commentary on Revelation, and he's a brilliant, brilliant man. He doesn't age. I don't understand uh, how Bust Fanning doesn't age, but uh, that's a different question. Um, but he talks about the 24 elders. Who are they? Who are they? There's a lot of differing opinions on this, Steve, and it, it really doesn't matter. You know, I mean, you kind of want to be in the ballpark, but it's not going to make or break, you know, your relationship with the Lord or how you understand the scriptures as to who the 24 elders are. But there are some who say, oh, okay, 24, well, 12 plus 12 is 24, so we have 12 tribes of Israel and we have 12 apostles. So it's the entire people of God that... Everybody's, the whole company of God, we call it. That's right. They're all sitting there. But then there's another component to it as well that, well, maybe these aren't humans. These aren't individual humans, that these are actually angelic beings. And um, Buse Fanning writes this, the fact that these are called elders seems to be rooted in the terms used for leaders among the people in the Old Testament and later Judaism, a group of officials who shared various social and tribal responsibilities as a ruling council. This favors the view that the elders are a council of heavenly beings who surround God's throne, which can be seen in 1 Kings 22, Job 1, Psalm 89, and Daniel chapter 7. Also favoring this view is the fact that John seems to distinguish the elders from martyred earthly saints, that would be humans, who have come to be present in, in heaven after their physical deaths, uh, and, and from redeemed saints on earth or in heaven. So, you know, he's arguing, it seems to be, that these are angelic beings, and then there's even going to be angelic beings in a moment that are in the middle of this 
circle of thrones because that's what's kind of pictured here are 24 thrones surrounding uh the, the main throne the main throne and they're all there in in a chorus of worship uh to the to the king to god you know as we're going to get near the end of chapter 4 i bring up my wife again who you know the music is an interesting thing it's a very subjective thing chris uh my wife was raised in a Christian home, and so most of the bebop music that I heard growing up on the radio was something she, not only didn't she hear it, she didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a classical gal uh, in, and liking classical music. But it's interesting, she calls some of the worship music 7-Eleven music. Uh, it's uh, a, seven words uh, sung 11 times <laughs> over and over. And I point out to her these chapters because these are angelic beings. These aren't even humans who've been redeemed. These are heavenly beings whose full-time occupation around the throne is to say the same thing over <laughs> and over and over and never grow tired of it, nor should they. That's I mean, right. Why don't you read what the—this is a—just the, the, just the, the uh, as you look at an artwork, you have this throne— 24 thrones, the rainbow, the stones that are the glass that's clear, the red Sardis stone. It's it loud thunder. It, this makes Disney nothing. St- Steven Spielberg could never reproduce this. Eat your Sound heart effect. out. <laughs> this is the grandest. John could barely describe it. But what do they say continually? Yeah, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne. So they're never even sitting on the throne. The moment they sit back up, boom, they're back on the ground again, worshiping God. Uh, uh, The 24 elders fall down before him who sit on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they will be created and have their being. All you can say is after this, boom. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's right. listen to what the end is. It's your it says you you have created all things. That settles it in Genesis. You created all things, and by your will they exist. If we could thunder this the way it was thundered. Uh, today in our culture, Chris, it would arrest half the issues that we have. Yeah, you, it's not even a question. You know, when you that that's why it's funny. Uh, I, I might have mentioned this on the podcast before. One of the scariest photographs that I ever saw before. It, it kind of put me in my place, and it was a photograph of um, of Earth from Saturn. Did I ever show you this picture before? No, I it, need to see it. It's it's a satellite, Cassini satellite or whatever, that was launched up a long time ago. And it's been on a, a course to exit the solar system. But it travels along the, the all of the different planets on the way out. And so when it got to Saturn with the rings around the Saturn, it takes a picture of Earth from Saturn. And Steve, we're just this tiny... We're a, a jot. We're, we're a, light, a, a tiny dot. We're a jot and tittle, the way uh, Jesus... We're a little nothing. We're a nothing. And it's the scariest thing to think, uh, uh, you know, here we are. We're, you're just hovering in darkness, 
It's very weird when you look at it and you kind of begin to think about your life. Actually, I think um, what's his name mentioned this that when he uh, I know what's his name. You no. Know, <laughs> Uh, um, who is the guy from Star Trek? Uh, William Shatner. He went up on the Blue Origin rocket uh, with Jeff Bezos or whatever, and he started crying. And apparently it's a real thing that when you go up and you see Earth from space, it, it's some emotional situation happens to you. Psychological, like it, it changes you because you realize something about yourself. Well, when you see Earth from so far away and you're staring at this dot, you think about a bunch of things. First, you think... What am I worried about? Like, I'm worried about money. I'm worried about uh, what, what am I, wor- you know, you think about all the wars going on in Ukraine and here you just, you, we're all on this tiny little dot just floating. And, you know, here is God and you have to remind yourself, God is the one holding all these things into, in, 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 into place just right and that's why it says there at the very end, you are worthy, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. You created all things, and by your will they will be created and have their being. That God created it just as it should be. It's, it's very frightening when you finally see yourself from a distance, everybody from a distance, and you just realize we are hanging in God's providence and sovereignty, we're in the palm of his hand. It gives you a clear picture of the past, present, and future of what God is doing. I'll have to find a way to post this picture because it freaked me out. But yeah, If you do, post it uh, so that people can access uh, from the podcast that picture. That sounds pretty cool. I guess you could say from a human point of view, after seeing a picture like that, really, we're all bupkis. We're a bupkis. We're nothing. That's right. Uh, and yet to God... Look, it's it's such a dichotomy. We're nothing in the sense of the, the whole universe, yet God chose one people group, the Jewish people, a mm. nation on that little bubkis land, <laughs> gave, <laughs> gave them even a smaller bubkis piece from earth, and then chose us, Yeah, us being anyone who trusts Christ as their Savior— before the foundation, before it was even all laid out, before the this nothing bupkis place, God chose each of us. Yes, uh, it's a, it's a marvel. It really is a marvel, and it, it kind of makes your head hurt because you just think hey, about- we should be with the twenty four. We yeah. fall right down, That's right, right down. You know, and again, the idea is that John is being ushered into this throne room. So I believe that what he sees happening is that is just prior to God judging the earth. He's about to judge sin. It reminds me of what David says here in Psalm 51. He says, for I know my transgressions and my sin are always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right. I love this about what David says, and I think this is what John is seeing happening. So you are right, God, in your verdict and justified when you judge. So God, you are when you judge this, I I see you. John is seeing the judge and the judge is justified and his verdict will come down in Revelation 6 through 19. And you know, this could if if we go right to chapter 6, it could be pretty frightening. But then there's chapter 5. That's right. And that's such an important Here we have this majestic view, the power, the glory, the majesty, the judgment of God. He deserves nothing but honor and glory and us bowing down. We have, there's no hope for us. 
There's no hope he's going to judge. And what happens in chapter 5, Chris? Chapter 5, then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll writing on, uh, with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. And I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion in the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. And the lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out uh, into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures, the 24 elders, fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding uh, golden bowls of incense, which were the prayers of God's people. Whoa. Yep. Wow. This is... This is Daniel chapter 7. Yeah. This is when God, in his... It, it, you know, when you think, if, if you go back and read one of the most important passages of the Old Testament, to me, it's Daniel 7, 13, and 14. When God, Why don't you read it? Go back there. Yeah, Daniel 7, 13, and 14 is the Son of Man passage, and we might have even read this before, but it's a fascinating one where God is dis, uh, bestowing on a human uh, amazing uh, power and amazing authority, and it says this in, in, in Daniel chapter 7, verse uh, 13. It says, In my vision at night I looked, that's Daniel talking, and there before me was one like a human, a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. And he approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence, and he was given authority and glory and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him, and his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So what do you see happening in, in, in uh, Revelation chapter 5? You see God on the throne— and there's a handoff that takes. Did you see? It? It's like a. It's like when you pass the baton off. Now that doesn't mean that God loses his authority and power over everything. What it means is he's giving Jesus, the Lamb of God, the authority to rule over everything. That scroll is a deed to everything that God created, to the land, to to the earth, dominion over everything. We call it the title deed. The title of planet deed. Earth. That's right. And that's exactly what's happening here is that it's a it's a, a a greater picture. That's why progressive revelation is important. What we saw in Daniel 7, God bestowing power and glory to the a human, now we know who that human is in Revelation chapter 5. It's the lion of the tribe of Judah. It's the son of David. It's Jesus the Messiah. I'm glad you said that because again, progressive. When you this is Jewish. This is <laughs> this is as Jewish as it could get. First of all, you got a lamb. We know about lambs. Passover is very important part of Judaism and a very important part of our culture. And there's a lamb. We got to go back to the book of Exodus. When I see the blood, I'll pass over. It's a standing lamb, but it looks as though it's been slain. It has that that, that go back to Exodus, but it's standing. It's, mm. it's a standing lamb. And he's from the lion 
He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Wait a minute, this is a lamb. Nope, he's the lion. He's both. It takes me back to the rabbis who said, oh, Messiah ben Joseph, the suffering Messiah, Messiah yeah. and Messiah ben David, the, the, the conquering Messiah. So the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. That's, again, you got to go to Samuel, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, the Psalms you just read, David, and and what he's standing as though he's been slain, and he is the only one qualified. John's weeping. He's crying. Nobody can take, who has the authority? Look there. It almost reminds, the first time I, I read this, honestly, I'm a Superman fan. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. <laughs> no, it, The text almost says, look. Look over there. Yep. John, look. There's a standing lamb that looks as though it's been slain. He's the oh, don't weep. He is the one qualified. He will unravel this title deed and make things right. That's right. It's an amazing thing. By the way, Superman was written by Jewish guys. That's two right. Jewish guys. Why during the What was the name of the the the, the father of I mean cuz it's all very biblical. Jo- oh yeah, jo- there's Joel and Joel, uh, it, that's right. Yeah, but it was written during a time in with so much anti-Semitism. The dreams of young Jewish people were somebody help us, somebody who is good and 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 right and does the right things. That's how Superman was born. I remember every every kid I knew wanted to be Superman. Why? Because he t- he's for truth, justice, and the American way. Yeah, that's what it was. Well, look, that's all, you know. I heard the I, same thing about the Adams family, too, that the Adams family actually was. I did not know that. It was actually kind of written for the idea of the, how the Jews were seen as a separate people. And uh, I think they even impl- implied a lot of uh, uh, Yiddish words in in the show. Uh, babushka, babushka. Babushka. Babushka, I think he would call his wife. Bubby. No, he'd call her Bubby. Bubby. Yeah. Like Bubby, Bubby is a very affectionate term, you know, lovely, uh, sweet one, that kind of thing. Oi, I think they'd say oi, but like the idea was. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> well, but here in the text here is John who's weeping because nobody's qualified. Notice where he looked? Everywhere. Up, down, on the earth, nowhere. And there he is. He's the one. And at and what happens? Uh, they sang a new song. A new one, yes. A new, you are worthy. Now they're singing to the Lamb. You're worthy to take the scroll, to open its seals. You were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe, tongue, and people, and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. This is what's taking, what's going to take place in anticipation after the judgment of God. They're looking forward to this finally being made right. That's right. This gives us hope and joy and peace. Well, and because we know from the book of Ephesians that this world is still controlled by the prince of the power of, of the air, which is Satan. Satan is still uh, roaming like a lion, and he still has control over the earth. But the point is, is that as as we move forward through Revelation, there's going to be an undoing of all of that, and that Jesus is the one who will take the rightful control and and um, authority over and dominion over what God had created. He's the new Adam. And so, again, this idea of the Son of Man, this picture, you can hear it in Daniel 7, what's it say? The Son of Man, the human, is given 
glory, honor, power, dominion, authority over every nation, tribe, tongue, all of it. And look what it says right here. You have made them to be a king, or before that. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation, right from Daniel 7, 13, and 14. So what we're seeing is that the seals are going to be broken open as we move into uh, Revelation chapter 6 and onward. We're going to begin this process because in order— It ain't pretty, Chris. It's not. In order for God to make this happen, there has to be judgment. And uh, that is what Revelation 6 through 19 is all about. God's progressively unfolding uh, his—in uh, in a timeline. I believe this is a timeline. I don't think—a lot of people look at this as uh, um, the, one judgment but seen three different ways— I think it's a timeline that we're going to see from from Revelation 6 all the way to 19. Jeremiah 37, the time of Jacob's trouble. Mm-hmm. Chris, I wish I could say, based on the Scripture, that uh, you know this is tribulation for uh, everybody. Well, actually, it's confined for purpose because God chose a people group, the Jewish people. He chose a land, and... We've messed up progressively. You can read about that, and he has to make it right. And so the, the, uh, when Jeremiah writes, he's writing, this is a time of tribulation, unprecedented. The rabbis talk about that, a time of unprecedented trouble, difficulty, and it's called Jacob's trouble. Yeah. And so while I believe that many Gentiles are going to be affected uh, on the earth, uh, it, between Genesis, uh, between Revelation six and nineteen, it is primarily to bring the Jewish people to their knees, just the way these angels are, where they finally turn to him and worship him for who he is, for the way Daniel, the Jewish man, described him. The Jewish prophet describes him in power and glory. The angels in the in chapters 4 and 5 describe him in power, glory, majesty, and they fall down before him. The idea, even at the very end of, of, uh, of Daniel, it, it says, you know, you know, why are all these things going to happen? Um, and he says, uh, go your way, Daniel, because... The words are rolled up and sealed up until the end of the time. Many will be purified, made spotless and refined, but the wicked will be continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will be will understand, but those who are wise will understand. And and he goes on and talks, but the idea is even um that God in at the very end of Daniel is saying, I'm going to break the stubbornness of my people. Daniel seems to ask the question, when will these things happen? Why will these things happen? And, and well, it's because I'm going to break the stubbornness of my people, and I believe his people that he's talking about are Israel at that time, the Jewish people. So again, like you're saying, all of it to get the Jewish people to look up and see the one whom they have pierced. And I think as we talk about this the next time we're together, we're going to realize that uh, we believe at Friends of Israel, uh, and we believe it's true, that the rapture of the church, which is... Right now, we live in the church age. People who trust Christ, Jew, Gentile, uh, have eternal life through him and our children of God, and they'll be taken away before this time of Jacob's trouble. It wasn't designed for the church. It was designed for the people that God chose and ultimately will redeem, and he'll make things right. This hmm. should give all of us Great hope. God delivers. That's right. All right, so Steve, uh, next week, uh, Chapter 6, Revelation. But we've got some news. We do. Slow news. We did fast yeah. news earlier. 
Let's do some sl- Let's slow news. Do, Let's this dive is into from it. Britbart. Democrats boycott parts of newly elected Israeli government. Ay, ay, ay. Here we go. Uh, this is Senator Rosen from Nevada. Uh, and she is uh, she ran uh, to become senator on the platform of the dire need and preservation of democracy. Mm-hmm. Uh of being have recognizing elections and making sure democracy is preserved. So she led a delegation, bipartisan, uh, with uh, her. Her name's Jackie Rosen and Republican Senator James Lankford. Mm-hmm. And so they went to Israel, but they said, the Democrats said, uh, we do not recognize Smotrich or Ben Gavir. Oh, that's which so are, funny. Which are two of the co- uh, co- part of the coalition government uh, voted for by the Israelis. Oh yeah. So the, in a in an election, look, you don't have to like the election. You don't have to like the results of the election. Fair enough. I think you could find any person living in a democracy who's lived any length of time will tell you from time to time I've been unhappy with the results. But but you got to respect them. Yep. Yeah. But nope, but she's no. saying she's saying democracy must be upheld unless it's unless not my we don't like it. unless it's not my form That's of democracy. That's right. And so. Uh, look, there's legitimate reason why she feels that way. We're going to talk about that. Uh, 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 oh, we already did as one of the headlines mm-hmm. are in a fast news uh, because of difficulty Ben Gavir is having. But nonetheless, the idea is that she, Rosen, who went to Qatar, <laughs> Qatar, the most repressive dictatorship in the world, and met with the emir there. So Double standards. So. Here's an elected government uh, that she's boycotting, but in Qatar, oh yeah, I know you're repressive, but uh, hey, when in Rome, we're in Rome. Yep. It's crazy. Uh, That's like back in the day when uh, Hillary Clinton said that Israel needs to work on its um, its uh, uh, ability to re- uh, treat women properly or something like that. Like it was, she was trying to say uh, women's rights need to be uh, promoted in Israel. But it's funny because Israel has uh, women run the show in Israel, in my opinion. I mean, like, they are the strongest women I've ever met in my life. Uh, they Israel has had a woman prime minister uh, long before America even had a woman vice president. We haven't even had a woman president yet. And yet here is Golda Meir in the 1970s. And yet our... Our politicians look over and go, you need to do more to help women's rights. But then they go to Saudi Arabia, they go to Qatar, and they they bow down to the emirs. It's crazy. You're talking about women's rights. The joke in Judaism, my Yiddish mama, everybody's afraid of the Yiddish (laughs) mama. She runs the store. Uh, County Francis sang that song. I'm telling you, uh, this is craziness. Uh, If you're an elected official and you go to the country, okay, don't go to the country. That that's fine. You're the, I I don't want to go because I don't like what they did. Fair enough. But once you're there, uh, no, we're not. We're in Israel. Yes, true. But nope, we're not seeing you. Yep. We'll see you. Uh, Even did- though they're the people elected him. Hey. Listen, when I was over there recently, I, I was with David Parsons from ICEJ, and uh, he spoke out against you know, or he asked a question to Ben Gavir, and it was a good one. It was a challenging question because. Ben Gavir is a controversial man. 100%. But he said, I have to say this. Everybody I know voted for you, Ben Gavir. My barber voted for you. The guy who fixes my car voted for you. This person voted for you. He rattled off a bunch of people. So clearly the people 
want him there. It was there was no fraud election. They don't do that in Israel. That was a they chose him. It's democracy. Vote him out. That's the you know that's just the way it is. It's democracy. Hundred in fact, Israel. <laughs> Israel, let's well, have another election. That's right, tomorrow. <laughs> it might happen tomorrow. That's the way it is. Anyway, that, that's interesting. Well, second one is from the Daily Mail. Is humanity doomed? Well, we're in the book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. We know in one sense humanity is doomed because Christ is the victor in the end. But humanity is going to continue. In fact, God's going to fix it from Eden to Eden. But nonetheless, the Daily Mail says, is humanity doomed? Doomsday clock will be updated next week. So, Chris, get at the edge of your who, seat. Who is the committee on the doomsday clock? This this committee has been set up back in the 50s, I think it was. How do you get that invitation? Like, well, who, who are well, you? These are, a group, these are a group of people, experts, politicians, scientists, uh, who are sociologists who are looking at the world as a whole. They do, Doomsday is, of course, midnight, when the clock strikes yes. midnight. And so for years, they've had this clock which indicates to humanity how close we are to oblivion, to being destroyed. <laughs> and so it's Could you been, imagine being on that committee? I, I would love to do What you love I to would, debate? I just want to sit in on the committee meeting on where are we for the end of the world. I just hope they're not all Jewish people because they go, oh, <laughs> gewalt, nothing, there's no hope here. We look, look Is what anything have. okay? Is anything okay? Uh, nothing could be okay. okay. Listen to the criteria they have for resetting the clock, which right now is one minute and 40 seconds before midnight. Wow. One minute and 40 seconds. Why? Look at Russia and Ukraine. A war's been going on for a year. Climate disaster. It's not even mentioning climate uh, change. Whether you believe that or not, we all could agree there's been climate disaster well i just heard al gore claim a new did you hear the new no. title that he claimed the rain that we've been having he called it a rain bomb <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's been he said why are all these rain bombs happening rain bomb al heard gore rain with bomb. the biggest footprint in the state of tennessee <laughs> and he's yeah the rain bomb jet plane anyway climate disasters number two coronavirus for the last three years we've had nothing but trouble with coronavirus Bio threats. Oh, yeah. Ay, 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 ay. COVID, oh, oh, COVID, co- COVID. 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 Nuclear arms. State-sponsored disinformation. Disruptive tech. They're going to take all this together, Chris. It's the end of the world. And then they're going to decide, uh, well, are we one minute and 40 seconds closer to disaster? Or should we, uh, oh, no, now no problem. Let's back it up. Or are they going to move it? closer isn't it you know what i find funny is that there are christians out there that roll their eyes at christians who are anticipating the coming of jesus and they are going there are christians out there that i I, i'm one of them lord uh, the book of revelation says maranatha our lord come come quickly lord return quickly okay there's this fervor for god to return for christ Christ been gone a couple days (laughs) a day says a thousand a thousand is a day but there are Christians who criticize other Christians for looking 100%. around and going, uh, you know, maybe the signs are adding up that Jesus is coming back soon. Hey, that's fine. And, and, and we should be doing that. Jesus says, to, even to the religious leaders, you know, talking about his own coming, he says, you can tell the weather, you can say red skies at night, you know, sailors delight, red skies in the morning, sailors, you can do that, but here I am, and you can't even tell the signs of the coming for, for my co- Like, Jesus even criticized his, the religious leaders for not knowing the time yep. of his coming. But what I'm getting at is that in the secular world, 
there's news articles that sociologists and 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 whoever scientists, scientists politicians. all these people and they are telling you when the end of the world how close we are to the end of the world and we all just go oh wow my goodness but the christian who says oh jesus is coming back soon lunatic yep. but the guy who tells you you've got a minute and 45 seconds left oh this guy's a genius you know <laughs> how do you, it's the world we live in. It's just funny because it's 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 an interesting world Which that we live in. Which segues to our, I'm telling you, it segues into our Yiddish word of the day. Yiddish word of the day, Which everybody. Which came to me from my family again two weeks in a row, Chris. That's right. Two weeks in a row. That- my mother gave the last one. And now my sister gave me this one. Was and- your mother on the line when she got, when? Uh- yes, she was. And, right. the, and the word is. Ungabluzen. 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 You know what it is? A frowny face. <laughs> and next week when we hear from the Doomsday Clock, there's going to be a lot of Ungabluzen people. There's a lot of Ungabluzen starting in Revelation chapter 6. How would you hear Ungabluzen when you were growing up? Did oh, you hear it? Oh, yeah. If I something happened, my I'd walk in, my mother would say, why so Ungabluzen? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> Did you have a bad day? What what what's with the frown? But you were saying, Blanche, your mom, that she didn't have really an ungablizen. Oh, my mother hardly ever had an ungablizen. You were face. talking about what you were like growing up, and she was uh, working at the department store, and oh, everybody loved her. She worked at Hallie's department store, and she schmoozed all schmoozed. her other and all the other employees there, so they would help her if ever she needed something. She she would give them this and that, you know, food. Uh, she'd do favors for them. My mother was a sharp and is a sharp person. She's a sharp woman. She knew how to schmooze. She was the opposite of Ungabluzen. Direct opposite of Ungabluzen. Thanks, Michelle, for the word Ungabluzen. Ungabluzen. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining the Jew and Gentile podcast. Once again, thank you so much. Hey, uh, do me a favor. FOIequip.org. I know you're probably on your laptop, your computer. You can go there or, or your sa- tablet or your cell phone. Go and look up FOIequip.org. Register for a class. Join us. We've got a great fe- we've got great digital fellowship. People from all around the world who are tuning in to learn the Bible from a Jewish perspective. We're doing tabernacles. So please go ahead. Go to FOIequip.org and learn how you can become an equipper. FOI.org forward slash equip. Thanks so much for being with, with us. We'll see you soon.